0: Section 1 of Liljekronas Home by Selma Lagerlöf translated from the Swedish by Anna Barwell This is a LibriVox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain For more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org Reading by Lars Rolander Liljekronas Home by Selma Lagerlöf Section 1 CHAPTER One: THE STORM-WIND On Christmas Day, 1880, a pitiless storm raged over Lovsjö, Green Lake District, in Värmland. It seemed as though the heaven meant to tear up everything on earth, and make a clean sweep of it all. Now, do not say that no doubt there have been storms as bad both before and since, and, above all, do not let any of the lovsjö dwellers hear you for they have known from their earliest childhood that the like of this storm could never even be imagined they can still count up all the fences that were torn down all the thatched roofs snatched off all the cow-houses blown over so that for days the poor beasts lay buried in the ruins and they can point to all the places where fire broke out and was fanned by the wind until the whole village was in ashes, and they have been on all the heights and mountain tops, where tree after tree fell until they stood naked and bare as they are today. We know indeed the common proverb that it is an ill wind that blows nobody good, but no one could believe that it was true of this Christmas storm for indeed it was plainly to be seen that it only brought with it one misfortune after another and i fancy that the one least ready of all to believe that anything good could come from the storm was the little maid from she was not to be trifled with this little lass as she stood that christmas morning on the edge of the forest and saw how the air in the valley beneath her Was thick and dark with snow and dust and all that the wind was driving before it never in all her life and she was thirteen past had she met with such a disappointment as a rule she could keep up her spirits in toil and trouble but this was almost more than she could bear a very little more and the tears would start from the large bright eyes and trickle down over the pale thin little face little maid had gone a little beyond the edge of the forest to see what the storm was like and the wind tore at the handkerchief over her head buffeted her short white sheepskin jacket and whipped her homespun skirt so sharply round her legs that it nearly knocked her over She was not alone. Her mother and little lad were there as well. Both were dressed like little maid, in short white sheepskin jackets and skirts of stiff black homespun. Nor could it well be otherwise, for little maid inherited her clothes from her mother, and little lad came into possession after her. But there was this difference between them and little maid, that Although their clothes were just as warm as hers, they had not gone outside the forest, but still stood in its shelter. The mother and little lad had just the same thin, pinched faces as little maid, and the same clever, bright eyes, and they too thought what a misfortune this storm was, and were not far off tears of disappointment either but they did not look nearly so desperate as she did for you must know she was standing just on the high ground above Beckorden in the Bru parish and could follow the long twists and curves of the road leading down to Bru church and she saw how the peasant folk who had started to go to church turned back home again this was all she needed to understand that it would be quite impossible for her mother and the little lad to walk twelve miles down to nygård in the svartsjö parish where they had meant to eat their christmas dinner she really couldn't help clenching her fist inside her glove when she realized it if it had only not been so quiet in the forest where they lived if only they had known what the weather was like before they came to the edge of the trees then they would never have started from home, and that would have pleased her much better for you see there was nothing she felt so contemptible as to turn back and not be able to go where she wanted, if only she had not all the year reckoned on this Christmas day in Newgord, if only she had not seen before her eyes this minute the big steaming pans, the long tables with their white cloths and the great dish is stacked high with wild geese. If only she and the little lad had not said to each other whenever mother had no food to give them, when we go to uncle's Christmas feast in Nygord, we shall have as much as we can eat. Only to think that they were boiling sweet soap with raisins in it down there, that there was rice porridge and cakes, jam, coffee and pastry, and she was not to taste one of them. She was so angry that she really wished she had someone there to vent her anger on. She thought to herself that the storm wind might have known better than to come just then. It was a holiday, so he was not wanted to turn the mill, and winter too, when no one wanted his help out on the lake, so he might just as well have taken a rest But what was the good of telling a storm-wind that? It was the worst piece of road that she had before her now down past Helgeseter and up the broby hills right on to loven and the church with the great parsonage grounds for the road there went across an open treeless stretch of land. If they could only get over that and struggle up the hedeby hills all the danger would be over for after that it was nothing but forest. It did not look so dreadfully far. She thought they might at least try, for at the worst they could but fail. So she was glad whilst her mother stood thinking, for it was always possible that she might decide to go on. But then she noticed that her mother turned to go into the forest, and little lad of course turned too. Then little maid began to go in the opposite direction, straight out on to the hill, at first very slowly, but then more and more quickly, for the wind came behind her and almost forced her to run. She took good care not to look back, for fear her mother and little lad should beckon to her to turn. She was almost sure they had stopped and were calling to her but that need not trouble her, for now that she was really out in the tempest there was such a din and racket that she could hear nothing clearly. It was impossible for mother to run and catch her up, for she had to keep hold of little lad's hand to save him from being blown away, so that she could not get on quickly at all. It was not that little maid wanted to turn, for such a thought never entered her head. But she was obliged to confess to herself that she had never dreamt the weather was so bad as this. Over her head there flew great dark birds with fluttering wings that the wind was driving before it with such force that body and wings were swept asunder. She thought she had never seen anything so horrible until she found out that they were great bundles of straw torn from some roof or other. If she took a step against the wind, it rose like a prancing horse, and threatened to throw her down, while if she took a step with it, it shot after her, so that she had to bend knees and back, too, to stand against its force. She grew so weary of the continual battle, that she felt as if she had been dragging a heavy load. From the north it came, too as cold as though it had been dancing with death so strong and sharp that it pierced through sheepskin and homespun and laid its icy fingers on her skin and although she did not heed such trifles she felt her toes grow stiff inside her waxed boots and her fingers numb in the woollen gloves whilst her ears tingled under her kerchief but heedless of all On she went right down the long hillside when she reached the valley she stopped and waited for the others when at last they came in sight she went to meet them it would certainly she said be best to turn and go home again it was quite impossible to get on to nygård but now mother was angry and little lad as well they said to themselves that this young lass was not going to order them about and say when they were to go forward and went back. No, said mother, we are not going back to suit you. Since you are so anxious for your Christmas feast, you can just trudge on for it. Yes, said little lad, you can have wind enough blown into you to last you for many a week. And with that mother and little lad began to walk on, leaving little maid to come after as best she might. When they came down to Uvgården, they met Gypsy Lotta and Beggar June. And these two, who roamed about the district weekday and Sunday, in fair and foul weather, put their hands to their mouths like a trumpet, and shouted to them to go home for any sake, or they would be frozen to death down by the cold lakeside mother and little lad went on however they were still angry with the little maid and determined that she should feel right well what sort of weather it was they met eric of falla's horse coming along with an empty sledge behind him for eric's hat had blown off and whilst he was running across fields climbing over fences and creeping along ditches to catch it again, his horse had grown tired of standing in the wind and trotted off home. But Mother and little lad looked as though there was nothing wonderful in that, and trudged on and on away they struggled until they reached the top of Bruby Hill. But then they came upon a great crowd of people standing with sledges and horses, and unable to get on farther. For the great bruby pine, tall enough to be seen for miles around, had been blown down and lay across the road. And there stood Golosa Jan and Kringosa Britta, who were to have been wedded that day in Bro Church, and there stood old Jan Jansa of Golosa, and old mother from Kringosa, friends and relatives, player Johns and beautiful Gunnar of Hög and many another who was going to the wedding. They shouted and explained that twice before the road had been stopped by overblown trees, those they had managed to move, but there was no doing anything with this one. And old father from Golosa went round offering brandy, but that didn't bring them on any farther. And the bride had got out of her sledge and stood there crying over the difficulties that had barred her way to church. And the wind tore the red muslin, roses, and green silk leaves from the edge of her dress, so that travelers who later in the day came through the parish could think no other than that the storm-wind had found a wild rose-bush in some fairy forest, and carried off its flowers and leaves to scatter them over ditch and field. But mother and little lad did not stop, for any pine-tree across the road but crept under and went steadily on they considered that little maid had not had enough of the storm by a long way yet and just think they went on to the cross roads and Bruby inn there they met madame samselius driving along in her covered sledge drawn by two horses then indeed they realized what the storm must be when madame samselius who never heeded the weather had a roof above her she shook her fist at them as she cried be off home marit of coltorp what are you doing out with your young ones when even i have to drive under cover but mother and little lad thought little maid might still be better of another buffet or two from the storm-wind when they came to the narrow sound between upper and middle loven they had to crawl on all fours the whole length of the bridge for the wind was so terrible here that if they had tried to walk across they would have certainly been blown into the water below once over the bridge they were halfway and little maid really began to think they would be at the christmas feast but no sooner had the thought come Then a fresh difficulty arose. The biting cold on the bridge had quite finished little lad. He was like a lump of ice. He threw himself down on the ground and refused to stir another step. Mother snatched him up and ran off to the nearest cottage. Little Maid was so terrified as she followed mother into the cottage that she scarcely knew what she did for if little lad was frozen to death it was her fault but for her mother and he would certainly have turned and gone home again they had come to a cottage belonging to people who were kindness itself they said at once that it would never do for the strangers to leave them again until the wind had fallen a little and added that it was the hand of god that had led them there for if they had gone on to the parsonage lands they must most certainly have all three been frozen to death it seemed as though mother too was glad to be under shelter she sat there so contentedly and looked as if she had quite forgotten that down in nygård they were just busy turning the spits and skimming the fat off the great pots of boiling meat when the cottage folk were tired of saying what a good thing it was they had stopped there they began to ask why they had gone out in such a tempest perhaps they had meant to go to church then mother told them that they had wanted to go to perjansa's in Newgord. he was her brother-in-law although he was as rich as her husband had been poor every christmas he had a feast and she his sister-in-law was of course invited she had indeed thought it was terrible weather to go in but this was the only festivity they ever had the chance of the whole year through the cottage folk were troubled again when they heard that it was indeed a pity that mother could not get to perjansa's party such a fine one as it was too but there it was quite impossible to go out again in the storm it was only risking one's life mother agreed that it was impossible and looked as if she did not mind at all sitting in a poor cottage when there was so many good things waiting for her somewhere else if you hadn't the children with you said the cottage folk perhaps you could manage to struggle down there Mother agreed with that, too. No doubt she would have got to the feast if she had not had the children with her. But she couldn't take them out again in such weather. No, there was no help for it, they agreed. They thought it was such a pity, they said, and it was easy to see how sorry they really were. Then all at once the good wife had a very happy thought. Look at that now, said she. Why, of course, you can leave the children with us if you want to go. How pleased they were, both husband and wife! They could not understand how they had not thought of it before. At first mother objected a little, but she soon gave way. It was agreed that the children should stay the whole day and over the night as well. But next morning mother was to come back and fetch them. Then mother went. And there sat Little Maid. Now there was indeed an end of her going to the Christmas dinner. That she saw. But it would have been no use to say anything about wanting to go with Mother, for they had hit upon such kind folk that they would never have let her go away. And besides, they could not both have left Little Lad either. The cottage folk tried to talk to her and cheer her up but she could not answer a word she turned her back to them and stood by the window looking at one or two birches swaying backwards and forwards in the storm so many things she wished as she stood there and one was that the tempest would take a real good hold of the cottage and blow it down so that she might get out but but it began to look rather strange whilst she stood looking at the birches she thought that every minute they seemed to sway less violently the din and racket too which had come with the storm seemed less and there were no more sticks and straws flying about she scarcely knew if she dared believe her eyes but now it was so quiet that really and truly the long hanging branches of the birches only quivered very little. The cottage folk sat chatting to little lad, and never noticed anything until little maid told them that the storm was at an end. They were so astonished, and at once said what a pity it was it had not stopped sooner, so that the children could have gone to the Christmas feast, for it was no fun for children to be sitting there with them all day, that they could understand. Then little maid said that, if need be, she could take little lad with her and go to Nigord. It was a plain road, so she could not miss the way, and there couldn't be any danger either in broad daylight. They were really such kind folk, they wouldn't vex any living creature, so they let them go, both little maid and little lad. Now everything was all right. The weather was fine and calm, it was easy walking, and there was no one to order little maid to sit still, or turn back when she wanted to go on. Still there was just one thing that made her uneasy. The sun seemed to be sinking so quickly in the southern sky. She did not know what time it was, but fancy if it were so late that they were already sitting down to dinner in Newgord she still had six whole miles to walk just fancy if she only got there in time for empty saucepans and bare bones little lad was only seven years old so couldn't get along dreadfully quickly he was tired and dispirited too after all he had gone through that day when they stood in the hollow at the foot of hedeby hill little maid stopped and looked at loven which lay below, covered with hard, shining ice. She asked if little lad remembered when mother had come home, and said that Lerven was frozen. She had been so amazed that the lake was covered with ice before Christmas, that she had talked of nothing else all evening. Yes, that was two days before Christmas Eve, said little lad. He was certain of that. Then it has been frozen four full days, answered Little Maid. I'm sure and certain it is strong enough to bear us now. Little lad plucked up heart again, as soon as he understood that she was talking about going on the lake. We can slide all the way to New he screamed. Well, of course, said Little Maid. It would be quite handy to go that way, as New lies on the bank. She had her doubts, too, but now it was little lad who insisted. He wouldn't hear a word of the high road, and was for marching straight off to the lake. You must tell mother you would do it, said little maid, for she is never cross with you. It was not far down to the lake, and they were soon standing on the ice. They took hands and slid down Löwen. That was better than trudging along the high road in that fashion there wasn't much doubt that they would get to nygård before the great christmas dinner was finished but then little maid heard a roar and a rush behind her a roar she recognized only too well she didn't need to give even one look to know what it was when she felt it in the back of her neck that terrible storm beginning once more it seemed as though it had only kept quiet just to tempt the children out on the ice and now it came took hold of them and threw them down when once the wind had begun again it was utterly impossible for them to go on the lake they could not even keep on their feet there was nothing for it but to creep on to the land again now indeed it looked as if little maid were conquered at last she had brought them to such a pass that it seemed very doubtful if they would ever see a human face again they could not go on the lake and when they got to the land there was nothing but sheer mountainside and dense forest with never a path to be seen and little lad was so tired and downhearted over everything that he could do nothing but cry little maid too for a time stood quite still on the shore with a crestfallen look on her face soon however she remembered how she and little lad used to coast down the hillside at home when it was covered with ice so she began at once to break off pine branches and lay them together in two heaps on one she set little lad and then knelt down and pushed him and the two pine heaps on to the ice again when they got out where the wind was strongest she seated herself on the other heap and she and little lad each took a fine green bow in their hands and held them up against the wind Hurrah! said the storm wind Hurrah! it shouted down it rushed upon them and swung them to one side as if it wanted to see if it was as strong as they then it got a good firm hold and away they went on and on like the wind itself they never even felt its icy breath they could almost have believed they were sitting still if they had not seen the shores rushing past little lads screamed with joy but little maid sat with set mouth watching if any fresh difficulty was going to come between her and the christmas dinner it was the quickest journey she had ever made for it was but a few moments before they saw the great Newgord houses rising before them on the shores of the bay the people of Newgord caught sight of them just as they were going in to dinner and they were obliged to run out and see what wonderful thing it was tearing down the lake, and no words can describe the amazement of Per Perianza, of Per wife, of the pastor, and all the guests when they saw them. The only person who did not look particularly astonished was mother. The lass doesn't give in before she gets her will, she said i have been expecting all the time to see her come flying along on a broom handle but the others talked of nothing else all evening but the little maid and of what a capable woman she would be mother sat for a long time on the sofa beside the pastor's wife telling all about her she was not so bad at spinning young as she was she could card wool too and all last summer she had picked berries and sold them in Helgeseter. Then the captain's wife had given her an A B C book, and one of the young ladies of Helgeseter had helped her a little, so that now she could both read and write. The pastor of Svartsjö had been a widower for many years, but that summer he had married again his new wife was a little body with quite white hair but with a good complexion and an unwrinkled face there was no one who dared to guess her age she was reported to be a wonderful manager and folks said too that she could tell at first sight what any one was capable of now this new wife told mother that she had been thinking for some time of taking a young girl into the house to wait on her stepdaughter so that the housemaid could get more time for weaving she asked mother if she would have any objection to letting little maid come to the parsonage next autumn any objection indeed what a question mother could not imagine any better fortune for little maid than to go to service in lovdala all evening the pastor's wife sat and followed little maid with her eyes It seemed as though she could think of no one else. After a time she beckoned to mother again. Is it true, she asked, that the child can read and write? Mother assured her that it was true enough. Well, then we will arrange for her to come to the parsonage at once, said the pastor's wife. You can pass Lovdala when you go home tomorrow from this Christmas feast and leave her on your way and so it was arranged but the pastor's wife still sat after as before looking at little maid as though she could not keep her eyes off her after a little while she wanted to speak once more to marit of what is your daughter's name she asked well her name is eleonora but we always call her nora and it is really true that she can read and write not just an idle boast said the pastor's wife no mother told her it is the honest truth i have been thinking she might as well drive home with us in our sledge to-night said the pastor's wife we are just wanting a girl like her at lovdala so she may as well begin her work at once It was settled as the pastor's wife wished, of course. She was not a woman that people cared to contradict. End of section 1 Read by Lars Rolander